if the policy you bought was designed correctly, the cash will continue to grow even when you borrow that money out. So say that again. If you took a loan against your cash value, the policy will keep paying you growth and dividends as if you had not touched a dime of it. Isn't it just the best when a software comes out that makes your life easier, makes you more money, and by the way, it's free? Well, welcome to Stessa, today's best ever sponsor. Stessa is a smarter income and expense tracking software for property owners. It allows you to track, manage, and communicate the performance of your real estate assets. So basically, it helps you make more money by looking at your properties in one dashboard. It's a beautiful dashboard, by the way. And it shows you the KPIs, the key performance indicators that you care about. What's the value? How much cash flow are you getting? What's the debt that you have on the properties? What are you bringing in monthly? What are you bringing in annually? And it allows you to have a quick snapshot, not only of your properties, but also come tax time, it's a breeze because you can scan receipts and invoices directly from the phone app and Stessa will automatically read and categorize them for you. No more data entry. It's been talked about in Forbes, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and all it takes is just a few minutes to add your properties, link the accounts, and everything updates in real time. Without Stessa, I was looking at my portfolio on an infrequent basis. I'm talking about my single family home portfolio. I got three single family homes, and I didn't realize that I had trapped equity. But if I was looking at it from a dashboard that Stessa has, then I would have realized that, hey, I got a portfolio value of X and I've got debt on it of Y. Holy cow, look at all this trapped equity. I'm missing out. And with Stessa, that won't happen. So go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. And it's free. It's free. Stessa.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Mark Willis. How you doing, Mark? Good. How are you doing? I am doing well and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Mark. He is a certified financial planner and he's written two books and one of them he just published. You got to go check it out. It's called How to Be an Amazon Legend and Fire Your Banker. That is the name of the book. I'm not going to continue to say That would be a really long title if it was. And Mark is the owner of Lake Growth Capital Financial Services which is a financial firm in Chicago. He has increased the net worth of his clients and their families by over $500 million. And you can learn more about his company at lakegrowth.com. So with that being said, Mark, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, sure. I'll keep it brief. I listened to Dave Ramsey all too well as a young adult growing up, getting out of college. I came away from that experience with six figures of student loan debt and no plan to pay it off in the middle of the Great Recession, looking for work. Oh, wow. So does that sound like a great start or what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, soon after, we moved to Chicago, not the least expensive city in the world, and just was cranking it, trying to do as many different income streams as possible. And all of my training taught me that mutual funds, mainstream financial investments were the pathway to financial freedom, including, of course, Dave Ramsey. If he says it, it must be true. So we were plowing all of our money towards student loan debt until we found out there were better ways to do it. So I guess that's short enough background. 
I ended up getting some state licenses, got my certified financial planner designation, opened up our practice here, Lake Growth Financial Services, and I've been having just a ton of fun ever since. What were the better ways that you found out that you should do it? Oh, man. Well, first of all, the traditional retirement planning system or industry in this country seems to have a very clear picture of where we all should be putting our money, which is in their pocket, right? So every dollar I put into investments and mutual funds, well, you have to keep in mind, I'm a post-recession planner. So every dollar I was putting in to my investments were going down, down, down. Meanwhile, the student loans were requiring that giant mortgage payment, essentially. So we had to find something that wasn't tied to Wall Street, something that put money back in our pocket rather than taking it out of our pocket every month, something that would grow predictably for us. So that really is what spurred us on to find other financial products and vehicles that more closely aligned with what we were trying to do, what we were trying to accomplish. Honestly, Joe, it gave me a chance to think critically about what Dave was saying on the radio every day, Mm -hmm. which is something I just had never really paused to sort of think about. Obviously, your listeners know very well the benefits of real estate. And of course, there's drawbacks to real estate as well. But the point is, thinking carefully and critically about what you want your money to do for you is probably more important than any product or place you might put your money. Someone once said, if I had to choose between Tiger Woods golf clubs and Tiger Woods golf swing, I'd take a swing over the clubs, right? Mm -hmm. Same with financial vehicles. It doesn't matter how great that golf club is. You can mess it up if you've got a bad swing, just like any financial product, whether it's mutual funds or real estate or anything else. It comes down to what is the strategy behind the product. Mm -hmm. So what are the top three places where you put your money in order of most money to least? Yeah, okay. Well, you look back over the last 2,000 years, where do people, honestly, where do they keep their cash? Well, one, you can go back even further, the pyramids, that's kind of the first and best case of real estate, right? So the three places people keep their cash are real estate, businesses, and then paper wealth. And we have been taught mostly that paper wealth, 401ks, mutual funds, IRAs, is the only place to put it wherein that is the least efficient way to generate financial independence. So the question is, again, like what what do we really want out of our money? What do we want it to do for us? So the top three places we put our money and our clients' money, one of my favorite places is in real estate because it provides so many great tax benefits. Typically, it's non-correlated to the stock market. It gives you money in your pocket at the end of each month rather than taking money out of your pocket every month. But even that can't stand on its own. You really need some various different assets that complement the real estate product. That's sort of like nitro and glycerin. You can add the right combination of financial vehicles together and you can really get some awesome explosive growth if you can just put the right products together to create a strategy. Again, it's not about golf clubs. It's about the swing. It's not so much about one real estate or another business or another investment. It's about how do you combine those things together to create a plan that helps get you from where you are to where you want to go. That makes a lot of sense. So just so I make sure I heard you correctly, top three places that you put your money is one real estate, two businesses, and three paper wealth in that order? That's right. Okay. And now you mentioned it's more about how to swing the club, not actually having the club. So using that analogy, what are the strategies within each of these three 
that you employ to do the best you can within each of them? Well, there's probably more there than I could probably answer (laughs) in a short episode. We'll go with real estate first and we'll see where we get from there. Sure. One of my favorite discoveries in all of this in my tumbling down the rabbit hole of things that don't necessarily have to deal with Wall Street and its kissing cousins is a combination of real estate and solving the problems that most real estate brings with it. What is the problems that come with real estate? Well, let's think about it for a minute. There's no guarantee that that asset will continue to grow. And when it does grow, historically speaking, over the last hundred years, it's only been 1% above inflation, according to Robert Schiller. Of course, it's not free to maintain or buy or sell real estate. And you've got this pesky problem of tenants not paying rent or vacancies in your portfolio, right? So it's important to realize that even real estate is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it when you sell it. Until then, all you have is a Zillow estimate, which isn't worth a whole lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there's really no control over the equity in real estate. So do you have control over the equity in there or do you have to ask a banker every time you need a HELOC or need some money out of that property? And is that money in the house or in the condo or in the apartment complex that you own, is it guaranteed? So if if you think about it, when are we most likely going to need cash? Just kind of stop and think about that for a minute. When they don't want to lend us cash. Right. Yeah. (laughs) During a crisis when banks are least likely willing to give it to us, right? Mm -hmm. When is the price of your real estate likely to be at its lowest? Probably right at the same time, right? During Mm -hmm. a crisis. Yep. So there's pros and cons to everything, but one of the most interesting combinations of assets that I've ever seen is a mixture Again, nitro and glycerin, peanut butter and jelly, Thelma and Louise. If you put the right two things together, they do great things. A mixture of all things, of real estate and dividend-paying whole life insurance. And that's been one of my favorite strategies to work on with clients that's provided some blend between the best parts of real estate and the best parts of the business model, which is an insurance contract. So if you want, I can kind of go down that path and explain how that works. Please. Okay. So if it's designed correctly, an insurance contract is literally a unilateral contract between you, the real estate investor, and the insurance company, which is a business. So instead of using Wall Street's model, you're using a business model. And that business model is typically an insurance business, just so happens they sell life insurance, but it's a business that's been profitable every single year for over 100 years. So imagine if you were an attorney and you were offered partnership with an attorney law firm that's been around for over 100 years and always posting profits. That'd be an awesome deal to be offered equity share or a partner share in that kind of business. And that's sort of what a mutually owned life insurance company offers. So when you purchase one of these contracts, in essence, you become an owner in that 100-year-old mutual life insurance company. You co-own the company along with all the rest of us policyholders. So this is different than term insurance, which is just about the death benefit, just renting that death benefit. Instead of renting the death benefit, this type of cash value life insurance, Joe, is permanent and it builds equity. Just like when you purchase a home, you're building equity. And that equity is called cash value. And the cash value is the money you can use for everything not just your personal needs, but buying real estate too. So when you have one of these contracts, the contract guarantees you an annual cash value increase, meaning your equity will guaranteed be more this year than you were at last year. 
And on top of that guarantee, they're throwing you dividends, profits from their profitable business, right? Because you're an owner, you get a dividend payment on that cash value every single year on top of what they guaranteed you. So before I move on, any questions on anything there so far? Anything that makes sense? I have one of these contracts, so no, I don't have questions, but please continue. It's an interesting aspect of what we do. Yeah, most people see it and they're like, well, life insurance, I don't need that. And Dave Ramsey says it's all bad. So again, this is a contract. It's a business model. You are buying into a life insurance contract, yes, but the business itself is less important as to what the money is doing inside that contract. So again, once it's there, you've got this big pool of contingency capital. What could you do as a real estate investor with a six-figure, seven-figure pool of opportunity cash? Well, I could come up with a couple ideas. I don't know about you, Joe. But once it's in there, you can use it for everything. You could use it for purchasing a property or several properties. You could use it to pay the property tax on your building. You could use it to float you when tenants don't pay rent or there's vacancies in your property. You could use that cash anytime. There's no government restrictions. There's no required minimum distributions. There's no prohibited transactions, unlike a self-directed IRA or self-directed 401k. There's no prohibited transactions. There's no self-dealing rules. The government can't put limits on how much you put into one of these contracts or tell you when you have to take the money out. So in four simple steps, here's how you can fire your banker and become your own mortgage company to yourself. Step one, open up one of these life insurance contracts and use the equity, the cash value in your policy to purchase some real estate. Because of the kind of contract, and this is maybe the most important part of the whole thing, Joe, if it's designed correctly, and that's super important to keep in mind, if the policy you bought was designed correctly, the cash will continue to grow even when you borrow that money out. So say that again, if you took a loan against your cash value, the policy will keep paying you growth and dividends as if you had not touched a dime of it. Yep. Because you have the policy that doesn't change. You're simply borrowing against it. So the original principle that you put in the policy is what you're making the dividend on. Absolutely. So if if anyone here is familiar with how HELOCs work, your home is going to appreciate in the neighborhood, whether you have a HELOC or not, right? You're just using your home as collateral for that cash in the HELOC. Yeah, the same, same way to use it with the life insurance contract, if it's non-direct recognition. So many people think they have one of these policies and it turns out they don't because they have what's known as direct recognition loans. Lots of great mutual life insurance companies out there, but they're offering direct recognition loans, which lowers the dividend when you borrow against it. If it's non-direct recognition, you get that sweet, beautiful sensation took a loan a few years ago. My wife and I spent a a month in Hawaii. While we were there, we got the dividends, even on the money we had pulled out of our accounts to go to Hawaii. Such a cool feeling. It's like a no guilt vacation, you know? Uh, So first step, use the cash in the policy to buy your real estate. Two, the policy is going to keep growing over here, even on the capital you borrowed. Three, you get to decide your own repayment schedule when you want to repay that loan. A lot of our clients decide to use rent money to help repay that policy loan so they can free that dollar up in the policy to spend on the next real estate. And then four, whenever you're ready, you sell that property and recycle the money back into your policy. So that's the four simple steps to firing your banker. And I know I'm just adding fuel to the fire with you. You're going to like this comment. 
when you die, it just gets the money that your spouse or whoever would receive. If, when you die and you still have that loan outstanding, it just gets deducted from that total amount and you still get paid out, which is a nice feeling because you can always have a loan out there and know that when you die, it will just take care of itself by being deducted from the sum that your beneficiary would receive. Super, super awesome, Joe. I love it. Yeah. So thinking about that for just a quick minute, just to use some simple numbers, let's say that your cash value was 200 grand and let's say that your death benefit was 2 million. Let's say that you took a loan for the, as much as you could. Let's just say you could access about $200,000 of that cash value. You Typically, they'll let you have 90% or so. Just for simple math, let's say you had a loan of 200000 and you use that 200 grand to buy a piece of real estate. And then, yeah, let's say you got your wings that night, right? You graduated, you passed away. Now, a lot of folks are like, well, why the heck would the insurance company do this crazy deal where you're getting growth on the money even when you borrow against it? And you just answered it, Joe. It's when you pass away, if there's a loan on the policy, the life insurance company has been off the hook for that loan amount. So instead of giving your family two million bucks, they'll take two million and minus out any loan on the policy. So they'd get one point eight million and of course the real estate that you just bought the day before. They get the real estate. The family. The oh, family the family gets the real estate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's the they? Wrinkle? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. It's a non-recourse loan yeah, yeah. on life insurance, and so yeah, they are the family in this case. Thank right, you. Right, right. Okay, got it. I, I was following you. I just wanted to make sure I was. Yeah. No, you. Cool. Love it. Yep. It's something I've done a lot of research on over the last couple of years. It seems like black magic, quite frankly, when you hear someone talk about it. But I had to read multiple books and. I'm in a policy right now and okay. see how that goes and go so for So for, for yourself, Joe, and for many of your listeners, if they've also heard it, I'd be happy to share two or three different strategies for how that combination works in these yeah. uh, minutes we have here. Yeah, please. All right. So I'll just run through a few of these. And these have been just so fun to really think up with my clients over the years. The first would be simple, straightforward, small stuff like, again, homeowners insurance, property taxes, HOA specials repairs and maintenance, the down payment on the property, all of those are just drags on your yield for your real estate. And if you could use an asset that would grow even on the capital that you were spending for those regular assessments and expenses, you're increasing the yield without any additional market risk. You're overcoming opportunity cost. In my opinion, using these policies is better even than paying cash directly for real estate or big purchases. So that's the simplest, easiest, smallest step to take. The next step would be to pay cash from a policy loan, just straight up be a cash buyer using a policy loan. You can get access to this money in about three to five days. So when you see a deal you like, request your loan. I had a guy who took a loan for $350,000 and went to cash close on the property and bought the property as a cash buyer and got the property. And now the policy itself is, is still continuing to grow. And that increased his ROI as the policy was growing and the real estate was growing at the same time. Another option, and I'm just kind of the, flipping the, through these. The, yeah. The, oh, these are loans that you do have to pay an interest rate on. So what's the typical right. interest rate that you pay? Yeah. The interest rate depends on the insurance company you work with. I've seen them upwards of usury rates or as low as 5% simple interest. What's a usury rate? Annually. Oh, usury, it's kind of a derogatory term for super duper high okay. like credit cards. Like I've seen 10%, 12% policy loans compounded. Not fair, I don't think. Most of the companies I recommend have 5% 
simple interest and only compounded annually in arrears. So that's like a mouthful there, Joe. So basically what that means is rule of thumb, if it took you four years to pay the loan off on your policy, you'd pay about 1.9% APR. Got it. Okay. All right. So quick example, this guy who had the $350,000 loan with some other deals he was doing and the rent money he received on that real estate he bought, he was able to get the loan paid back in about five years. He paid a 2.1% APR, which worked out to $38,000 of loan interest. So that's real actual money. That's a finance charge on the life insurance loan. So why the heck would he do that? Why wouldn't he just pay cash and not have to pay interest on his own money? That's what Dave Ramsey would say, right? Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember that the policy was growing more than the loan interest that he was charged. So he paid, I'm just looking at the numbers here on this particular example, he paid 38000 bucks of loan interest over five years, which is a 2.1% APR on his loan. But his policy grew without him adding any money to it over $119,000 at the same time. <laughs> yep. Plus the house was growing in the neighborhood too. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a higher yield. Even when you think through the loan interest, even when you factor it in, that's what we call positive arbitrage. Mm-hmm. When you go to secure one of these, and you call it a whole life insurance cash value, what's the exact term you use for this? You know, there's lots of terms, unfortunately <laughs> yeah. too many terms. I know, um, I know. And so part of the reason why I went through the extra hoops to being a bank on yourself authorized advisor, Joe, is because there's so much misinformation out there in the market. I kind of view the bank on yourself authorized advisor program as kind of the one and only quality standard so that consumers know, Hey, you know, if I get a policy from a bank on yourself authorized advisor, I'm going to get one that's truly designed correctly with the non-direct recognition loans that it's a dividend paying whole life policy from a mutual life insurance company with paid up additions. I mean, that's a mouthful. That's not even the full list there. And if it's going to be taxed, in retirement or not, and if it's going to be limited by the insurance company in terms of how much you can pay in, all that stuff I've seen, unfortunately, with people who thought they had one of these. Other people call it certain things. It's been called cash flow banking. It's been called infinite banking. Got it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So you've got the bank on yourself term and okay, with you. So my question is, not everyone can get a $100,000 policy because the insurance company needs to make sure that it's not overwhelming financially for the person because it's not a one and done. You put a hundred K into it, right? You have to feed that on an annual basis or, or am I missing something? Great question, Joe. So most of the time folks are wanting to keep their money somewhere. Your money has to live somewhere. And most of the time, people think they're going to need to pack more money away later. So yes, we do have most of our clients are packing more money in every single year. But you know, a good chunk of our clients do single premium contracts. This is where you just take one lump sum. You've got some money in a CD that's just kind of souring the CD, not earning a lot of interest. And you just put the money into a policy and it gives you all the advantages we've described without having to come up with more cash next year. So if it's not a single premium policy, then is it called a multiple premiums policy? Probably. I don't know. Okay. That sounds right. right. <laughs> that way it would be logical. That would yeah, make. yeah. That makes sense. Got it. All right. Fair enough. Based on your experience as a certified financial planner, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Wow. Well, we've been talking about a cool concept, but of course we have to do the disclaimer that, hey, you know, I have no clue what 
your goals are, what your transitions are, what you're trying to accomplish. So I'm describing a concept that may or may not even fit your particular situation. So my best advice ever is think more carefully about your function of money than about the label that you put on it. Think more carefully about what do I want this $1 here to do for me for the rest of my life and think less about whether I can get five or 6% rate of return or is this the latest hot stock or best cryptocurrency or take the labels off the money and think about what do I want that money to do for me? Because where you put your money makes it do different things. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Kaboom, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Finally, there's a simple way to track rental performance. Stessa, our best ever sponsor, lets real estate investors track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate portfolios for free. Go to stessa.com forward slash best ever. You'll always know how your properties are performing with this dashboard. It's a beautiful looking dashboard. And it will help you save time with smarter income and expense tracking. You don't have to do any more data entry. Just upload the stuff directly from your phone. It tracks it in real time. Get organized for tax time with tax-ready financials so you can download them instantly. This thing was built by investors for real estate investors. It's been featured in all the publications you can think of. To get set up with your free account, just add your properties, link your accounts, and everything else updates in real time. Stessa.com forward slash best ever. S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best ever to get started. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com. Best ever book you've recently read? The best book I've read recently, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss. Love it. Great book. Best ever transaction you've done? I think investing in my CFP, probably the best transaction ever. Gave me the biggest, broadest view of how money really works. How much does it cost to be a certified financial planner? They take your soul and then they take (laughs) about four grand. (laughs) How long does it take to study to become one? About three years, I guess. It was a little bit longer than three years for me. And is that because you took three years or the process takes three years? You could technically, if you were doing it full-time as a student, probably get it done in two years. Uh, I was working a job, growing my business here, so it took another little bit of time. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Paying off debt rather than saving in one of these policies first. Best ever way you like to give back? I love the idea of helping people become better versions of themselves. And so rather than pouring into someone, I love to draw out from them the best parts of themselves. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? Check out our podcast, notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com. And if you would like to chat further about some of these strategies, obviously Joe's very aware of this strategy. I'd love to share some more with you if you'd be open to it. Click on book a meeting on our notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com website. And if you mention the best ever real estate investing podcast, I'll be sure to include a free copy of my latest book, Compliments of Joe. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being on the show. I am a proponent 
clearly because I'm doing it of the strategy that you mentioned and I'm glad that we got to talk about that and went deep into it as well as your overall approach to investing both not just in real estate but also in other vehicles too and it's not just the vehicle it's actual strategies within each and making sure that that's the right fit for individual goals so thanks so much for being on the show hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon Thanks, Joe. Thanks for willing to have me on your show. It's been a pleasure. The Target Market Insights Podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at TargetMarketInsights.com. That's TargetMarketInsights.com.